Welcome to this podcast from My HR Toolkit, the HR software platform for small businesses. In this episode, based on a webinar, we are joined by Claire Jenkins, HR business partner at Effective HRM, to explore the potential HR and employment law issues surrounding COVID-19 vaccines and employee rights. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast to get new episodes when they're released and check out our business webinars and guides on myhrtoolkit.com. Camille Bruard. I'm the Senior Marketing Executive here at MyH Toolkit, HR Software, and I'd like to welcome you to today's webinar. Today, we are going to be looking on the topic of COVID-19 vaccines and the workplace. Um, this webinar will offer you insights into some of the HR and legal issues around COVID-19 vaccines, employees' rights, and the potentials for discrimination. And we will also have some time at the end uh, to answer some of your questions in a Q&A. Just before we go ahead with today's session, I just want to clarify um, that it'll be offering general advice, um, not so specific legal advice, and will be based on the information that we have available as of today um, in the UK. In particular, um, around vaccines, it is a rapidly evolving topic, um, so we suggest you do keep informed of the latest updates um, as things are subject to change. Here this morning to talk to us about COVID-19 vaccines in the workplace is Claire Jenkins from Effective HRM. Claire worked for nine years as an employment law solicitor before joining the Effective HRM team as a HR business partner back in 2016. Uh, she advises clients on all aspects of employee relations, including grievances, redundancies, disciplinaries, and uh, she's very skilled at communication and helping employees reach resolutions for their employees. So Claire, great to have you with us here today. Uh, to talk about this just evolving area of law and workplace issues. Hi, hi, Camille. Hi, it's great uh, yeah. to be here today. Hi. <laughs> so, okay, um, as Camille has set out, um, today's webinar is all about COVID-19 vaccines. Can you make them mandatory for employees? I'm just going to do a little introduction to this, which is as COVID-19 vaccination increases throughout the UK, as employers, I'm sure you'll be considering the implications for your staff, visitors and workplace as a whole. Today, we're going to cover uh, whether as employers you can make vaccination compulsory for your employees. We'll also look at the discrimination risks, data privacy concerns and some other issues. So starting with the key question, can uh, employers require their employees to have the vaccine? Before I'm going to discuss this point in any detail, um, I would like to do a poll just to see everyone's thoughts on this um, at the start. So Camille, I think it's going to pop a question onto your screens now. Um, I'm just going to launch that poll now. I think we'll just wait a few seconds to, to get everyone voting. Great. So we'll get to see an idea as to how, what people's thoughts are at the start of, of the webinar today. Okay, great. So you can see we've got there 12% for yes, 64% for no, and 24% for not sure. Uh, that's a really good bit. Obviously, the, the majority of you think that, uh, uh, that you can't uh, require employees to, to have that vaccine. And, and on that, uh, based, you know, that's really helpful for, for everyone to sort of give their sort of view at the moment. Based on that, can employers require their employees to have the COVID-19 vaccine? I'll start with a giving, giving a bit of a sort of a legal background to this. The first point is that the government has made it clear that there is, the vaccine will not be a legal requirement. Uh, furthermore, the Public Health Control of Disease Act 1984 prevents a person from being required to undertake medical treatments such as vaccinations. In addition, you'll see there that Article 8 of the European Convention on Human Rights 
provides individuals have the right to not be physically or psychologically interfered with. So that's kind of the legal framework in which we're working. And also forced vaccination is likely to amount to a criminal offence. Notwithstanding this, any instruction to request that all staff be vaccinated may be viewed as reasonable in certain employment settings. An example of that would be a care home or other social care setting, uh, because a refusal could put potentially vulnerable people at risk. Although I have to say that uh, this hasn't been tested in UK law as yet, simply because it's, we're in such early stages of the, the vaccination programme. The question I'm sure many of you are asking is, could this extend any, extend any further to other sectors? Could employers in other sectors um, you know, make that same argument? I think arguably they don't have the same strong rationale with regard to putting vulnerable people at risk. The key problems with mandating the vaccine are the risks associated with dismissing employees who refuse and the potential for discrimination claims from employees with protected characteristics. And I will go into more detail with regard to um, the protected characteristics shortly. But my next question, and, I, and I'd like to run another poll um, at this time, is do you think that you could dismiss an employee who refuses to have the vaccine? OK, and I've obviously given you a little bit of information so far um, about that, but I will provide far more detail once I've done this poll. Um, again, it's the same possible answers. Yes, no or not sure. Got that poll um, running now and um, lots of people are answering, which is fab. I thought it would be quite nice to do a poll just to sort of get an idea of, the, of how, the, how the audience feels because it's such a, mm -hmm. a, a difficult a, a new area for everyone um, and it's really live and, and, and it's going to be things I'm sure you're all thinking about as employers with, with, with as the vaccine programme is um, released and, you know, and, and is going through the process. Okay, again, we've got a quite a similar um, to the last question. It's quite similar. So we've got yes, 13%, no, 74% and not sure 13 So. I'll now provide a little bit more detail, hopefully provide you with some further information to, to sort of um, help with your, your decision making, really. So, so what can you do as an employer? Um, so the general legal principle is that a failure to follow an employer's reasonable instruction can, in certain circumstances, lead to a dismissal, which is fair. An instruction to take the vaccine by an employer could be regarded as a reasonable instruction, but that will depend on the circumstances. And again, as I've mentioned, the, the social uh, care example, um, a care home employer could well be able to rely on a refusal to seek vaccination to dismiss an employee based on the instruction itself being reasonable. Employers in other sectors, for example, professional services, where it has been shown that work can be done effectively from home, maybe in a weaker position, an instruction to be vaccinated may not be deemed reasonable. However, even where the instruction to have the vaccine is reasonable, giving an example of the, the social care setting, this would be considered on a case-by-case, case uh, the dismissal process would be considered on a case-by-case case basis. Only an employee who unreasonably refused to be vaccinated could be fairly dismissed. And this would be taken into account the following. There must be an opportunity for the employee to explain their rationale for the refusal, and the employer needs to consider whether this is reasonable, whether their refusal is reasonable. The employee would also have to show that they gave consideration to other ways in which the employee could continue working safely without vaccination. For example, redeployment to another role or allowing the employee to work from home. In addition, um, I briefly mentioned about the possibility for discrimination claims. And the reason for that is if the employee's vaccination refusal is related to a protected characteristic, the employee may have a discrimination claim and other potential claims. Um, because their refusal is because of a, a protected characteristic, for example, a disability, age, sex, uh, religion, and, and I will go into those uh, in more detail shortly. 
So ultimately, each business is very different and there will be relevant factors which will need to be considered to establish whether mandating vaccination is a reasonable instruction for a particular business. Advice should always be sought before taking any action that involve a detriment to your employees. Added to that, can any employee bring a claim for unfair dismissal? Generally, an employee with only two year, year service or more can bring a claim for unfair dismissal. So that's two years or more service can bring a claim for unfair dismissal. Uh, however, there are exceptions to this. Um, for example, whistleblowing, health and safety, being pregnant or on maternity leave. There are some other examples as well. So again, it's imperative that employers always seek advice before considering taking action because it's possible that they may not have two, two year service, but there may be a reason why um, they're able to bring the claim um, for unfair dismissal. But the general principle is, and general position is, that in most cases, they need two year service or more. But it's always absolutely imperative that you seek advice uh, before taking any action that could be a de detriment to an employee. I briefly mentioned um, that there are a lot of discrimination risks uh, around vaccination, and it's something I know that the, 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 the government has mentioned uh, as well with regard to the um, providing of vaccination uh, certificates and things like that. So it, it's something that's really live um, at the moment, and it's something that, that really needs to be um, to be uh, everyone needs to know about it. And the discrimination risks may arise as a result of compelling employees to take the vaccine or putting in place measures which are detrimental to those employees. Who have not taken the vaccine. For example, uh, sort of measures could be not allowing an employee to return to site because they've not been vaccinated, um, or for example, not paying sick pay to an employee who has refused a vaccine and then becomes ill with COVID-19. The most likely protected characteristics which would be asserted by employees are age, disability, sex, pregnancy and maternity, and religion and belief. I'll now discuss each protected characteristic in turn, and you can see there on the slide, um, I've listed those protected characteristics there. Taking age first, vaccine rollout in the UK is largely based on the age of the individual. Older workers in, in the main will be more likely to be offered the vaccine through the NHS first. Younger workers may therefore argue that they are being treated differently because they have not been able to have the vaccine yet. For example, if the employer implements a policy which allows only employees to work uh, to return to work uh, once they've had the vaccine, as you can see, that could potentially be indirectly discriminatory in relation to age, in relation to the younger employees who've not yet been able to have the vaccine. Moving on to the second protected characteristic, disability. There may be some individuals who've been advised not to have the vaccine due to a medical condition, while others may be allergic or have a fear of needles. Uh, these people could be protected by the disability provisions of the Equality Act if they were to refuse the vaccine. Moving on to um, sort of pregnancy or sex that, that they come together. Currently, the government advice for pregnant women is that they should not be vaccinated unless they are at high risk. Um, therefore, if a pregnant employee is selected for redundancy or is dismissed, they may argue that they are being treated less favourably due to the refusal to have the vaccine uh, because they are pregnant. It's also likely to be the case that this will cover women who are planning a pregnancy. Moving on to uh, the final protected characteristic listed on the slide, religion and belief. The Equality Act protects employees against discrimination on grounds of religion or belief. Religious beliefs do not have to be shared by everybody in that religion. Therefore, an anti-vaccination belief could be held by some people of a certain faith and potentially be protected even though others of the same faith are in favor of vaccination. 
Employers will have to take each case on its merits and listen to an employee's reasons for refusing vaccination and, if necessary, explore other COVID-19 secure ways of working. There have been some concerns over what ingredients and stabilisers were used in the production of the COVID-19 vaccines, uh, but none of those that have been rolled out in the UK so far um, contain any animal-derived ingredients or eggs, so that's something that um, uh, can alleviate uh, concerns if, if that is a, a concern uh, for some employees. In addition, vegans may disagree with vaccinations on the basis that they will inevitably have been tested on animals. Um, ethical veganism has previously been found by a tribunal to amount to a belief uh, capable of being protected under the Equality Act. So that's something to be uh, borne in mind um, if that's something that any of your employees were to raise. Some ethical vegans may therefore refuse vaccination. Um, so again, it's, it's been mindful to that. Employers should be careful not to judge or stereotype employees. Just because an employee is part of a religious group or an ethical vegan doesn't automatically mean that they will refuse to be vaccinated. So this shouldn't be assumed. Equally, employers should not assume that the reason for someone's refusal is what the employer perceives their religion to be. Um, I'll now move on to the, um, the anti-vax movement. Um, and, and the question being, um, can that attract protection to the Equality Act? Belief in this context means a philosophical belief that is genuinely held, that is cogent, serious, and applies to an important aspect of human life or behaviour. Furthermore, the belief must also be worthy uh, of respect in a democratic society and not affect other people's fundamental rights. Whether the belief is protected is likely depends on the facts. As I, and then, unfortunately, this is something which is going to be the case, or the answer to a lot of the questions, it will depend on the particular facts of the case. So, for example, an employee who believes in natural medicine only could try and establish that this belief is genuinely held and worthy of respect. An employer could try and counter that argument and, and sort of say that an anti-vax belief is not a philosophical belief because there is an inadequately coherent belief system behind it. Um, but there's clearly a risk that this, is a, this type of belief could be protected and therefore requiring an individual to act in contravention of their belief could be discrimination. So where an employee's refusal to get vaccinated is related to a protected characteristic, employers need to consider what steps to take. This will depend on their risk assessments and overall policy approach. For example, if the employer is operating a mandatory vaccination policy, it will need to consider whether any alternative measures could be used to meet their health and safety obligations. Um, alternative measures could be used, uh, inc could include working from home arrangements or redeployment for those particular employees. And if an employee does subject the employee to disciplinary action, they would have to show that their action was objectively justified and why alternative health and safety measures were not appropriate. And this may be difficult to justify as proportionate. Okay, um, I would like to do one more final poll. And this poll is, how do you feel about once people have had the vaccine, is this going to change your workplace COVID-19 protocols with regard to health and safety? So uh, once people in your workplace have been vaccinated, um, is it going to change your COVID-19 workplace protocols with regard to health and safety? Uh, or will they remain the same? Again, that's yes, no, or not sure. And again, it's all anonymous as well. So don't worry, we'll be like, oh, so-and-so voted this. <laughs> okay, so we've got, we've got quite, a, yeah, quite, so, uh, the, the, the differences aren't, aren't so stark as um, in the previous few polls. And, and, that, and again, that's, that's interesting. So I think that the, the main position, and this, is, this is, is, is my view on this, the vaccine isn't 100% effective. In addition, I've spoken about the fact that there will be populations of the workforce who cannot or will not be vaccinated. So I think at present, employers should be cautious about removing um, their other COVID secure measures in the workplace. 
at this stage, I think the vaccine could be, should be considered as part of the COVID-19 risk assessment as a potential additional measure to control the risks associated with contracting the virus at work. Um, I suspect that more um, advice from the government is likely to be forthcoming uh, on this over the coming months with regard to um, you know, uh, the COVID measures. Um, and in risk assessments and health and safety. But I, at this stage, I think, particularly given not everyone has been vaccinated, then certainly it shouldn't be considered to be a, a time to, to remove over other COVID secure measures. measures. Okay, moving on to the next question. And I, this might be uh, quite a popular uh, question and something which a lot of employees um, would like more information on. And that is, can an offer of employment be conditional, conditional upon proof of vaccination? And this is potentially possible. However, such an approach is not at, uh, without risk of numerous discrimination claims. And as I, as, as I said before, um, with regard to the, the possibility of, of dismissing employees, the, the real risk of discrimination claims. So my advice would be that employees uh, considering this type of recruitment need to give very careful consideration to the potential discrimination risk. Um, and if I give the example of the, the sort of the timing of the introduction, of any such policy. If you were to introduce a policy now, for example, um, I, I've mentioned briefly that younger people generally haven't yet had the vaccine. So if you introduce an, a policy um, now, it could potentially be indirectly discriminatory in relation to younger employees who would be applying for a job but couldn't yet have the vaccine. Another example could be um, that a empl potential employee um, isn't able to have the vaccine for medical or belief reasons. And again, um, for that reason, they could be indirectly discriminated against because they have not yet been have, able to have the vaccine. And therefore, it's being really mindful um, to those potential risks of, of claims if you were to um, um, make an offer of employment that would be conditional upon proof of vaccination. OK, another question. Can you refuse to let an unvaccinated employee in the workplace? Again, this is going to be sort of a, a similar response, really, to the previous questions. Very, very careful consideration needs to be given as to whether or not it's appropriate to those who've not been vaccinated from entering the workplace. Such an approach could again give rise to discrimination claims, as I've mentioned. What you, you can do is you consider whether the employee can work from home or be deployed to a role which would enable them to work remotely or move to a safer working environment. Such a change would, of course, be subject to the employee's agreement. And, and again, that's key, I think, uh, in, in relation to a lot of these um, difficult questions. It's all about in, uh, employee engagement and then talking to your employees and finding out how they feel um, and understanding their concerns, perhaps. And it might be that they're really happy to carry on working from home um, or, or being redeployed to pot potentially even in just the short term until they've had that vaccine. But it's been really lied to the fact that it's employee engagement and communication that I think will really help employers and employees uh, move forward together and, and work together with this. And I think I think most employees will want to work with their employers um, to achieve a really common goal um, with, with, with this. Um, but I think, as I said, it, it's important to communicate with staff in terms of your approach. But seeking employee agreement will, will be will be key to this. OK, so what alternative options are there to mandating vaccination? You can see there that the, that the first um, uh, bullet point there is the Health and Safety Act 1974 and that act obliges employers to take reasonable steps to reduce workplace risks. This duty gives justification for encouraging their employees to be vaccinated to protect themselves and everyone else in the workplace 
And I hope that gives um, employers some reassurance that you can discuss the vaccine and you can encourage staff. And there's nothing wrong in encouraging staff to have the vaccine um, at all. Um, you'll mention there that, um, I, I, sorry, I've mentioned there bullet point two, RIDOR, uh, which is um, the Reporting of Injuries, Diseases and Dangerous Occurrences Regulations 2003. And, and, and that uh, COVID-19 is a reportable um, disease. And that strength is employees' encouragement that employees should agree to be vaccinated. So uh, on that background, as I've just briefly mentioned, employers should encourage staff to be vaccinated and publicise the benefits to improve take-up of vaccine. Um, there's lots of information on the government web website regarding uh, the vaccine um, and guidance around it, where there is a lot of information and, and, and can help you as employers be, be informed and be able to therefore inform your staff. Misinformation about the vaccine has been a source of anxiety and mistrust for many people and employers can, count, uh, can help counter misinformation about the vaccine by having discussions with employees about their fears and sharing information from mutual credible sources and as I said the government website has an awful lot of information. Employers should consult with employees and where relevant their representatives and give employees the opportunity to ask questions and feel engaged in that process. You should keep copies of any communications with staff regarding their, uh, your encouragement of vaccination. Um, and the reason for this is to ensure that you have evidence to defend any argument by pro-vaccine employees complaining that the employer hasn't done enough to comply with their health and safety duties. And there is that balance, actually, that you're going to have some employees that may be very pro-vaccine and some employees that will be will be anti-vaccine. So it's important that you, you show that you've, in relation to pro-vaccine employees, that you've done everything you can as an employer in relation to your health and safety duties. And as I said, um, that's to do with encouraging and really communicating with your staff. How do you communicate encouragement with staff? Awareness campaigns, um, that's really key, getting the information out to staff. And if you haven't already got a vaccination policy in place, um, develop a vaccination policy. And that will mean that um, having that policy in place means if an employee raises a concern, then you've got those policies in place to help you as an employer and line managers to sort of follow that process and follow the policy. But if you do have an employee that raises a concern, meet with them, talk to them, chat with them and reassure them um, and reassure them that, that, that you know, what, why the vaccine is a good thing, but also listen to their concerns. And they should never feel unduly pressured into having the vaccine because it is ultimately their decision. And also, as I said, that the developing and the updating of the vaccination policy is really essential. It allows employers to outline their approach, explain the role and expectation of managers so they know what, what they're expected of them. So, you know, it filters down to the different um, departments and the different levels um, so that when employees ask questions, every level of manager knows what the answer should be. It also allows HR and the employees to know what they're meant to do as well if we've got that policy in place. As I said, also having that policy in place will hopefully help with handling workplace disputes regarding vaccination. If you've got a clear policy in place, you know, if you've got any, if you have any concerns by any employees, whether they be pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine, if the employer is complying with their own vaccination policy, hopefully that will alleviate concerns by employees that the employer is following a correct approach. Okay, um, moving on to um, data protection issues. Are you legally allowed to sort of hold information regarding employee vaccinations? Um, and I've there listed the two sort of bits of legislation really that, that, that form the, the background to um, data protection. Requiring evidence of vaccination gives rise to significant data protection issues. This is because medical information that an employee has received a vaccine constitutes special category data. 
So employers who choose to keep their records should do so in accordance with the General Data Protection Regulation and the Data Protection Act 2018. So as employers, you've got to consider very carefully why you need the evidence of vaccination and whether it is appropriate for your business. Doing so will require a data protection impact assessment, which must be done in advance. And that must consider not only the reasons why you require that data, but also issues such as how it will be held securely, who will have access to it, and whether it is appropriate to hold more than a simple no or yes. You know, have they had the, has that employer had the vaccine or has that employer not had the vaccine? If a particular employer does have a valid reason for processing data about their employee's vaccination status, you should only collect the um, amount of data necessary to achieve the purpose and keep it only for as long as is absolutely necessary. Uh, the employer should try to limit uh, the number of people who have access to that information and ensure that those who do have access understand their obligations regarding confidentiality um, and that uh, the situation should always be kept under review. Employees should be kept fully informed as to why their employer needs to process information regarding vaccination status and that this, how this information is being kept secure. Your, uh, your employee um, privacy policy should always be reviewed and updated with regard to this. A question that, that, that may, a lot of you may, may have is what happens if an employee objects to you storing data with regard to their vaccination status? Employees have the right to object to their employer processing personal data. That, that's a general position. If an employee were to raise an objection, uh, the employer should discuss their concerns with them. Again, it's all about employee engagement and, and really um, finding out what, what the concern is. Consider carefully their views. The employer should ensure that the employee fully understands why the data is needed and reassure them that it will be held in confidence. If the employee still objects to uh, you processing the data with regard to their vaccination status, the employer may have to weigh the, in, the employee's individual rights against the employer's interests in processing the employee's data. For example, an employer may be able to justify asking healthcare employees if they have been vaccinated as they are much more likely to be exposed to COVID-19 and pass it on to others. Employees with staff who have limited contact with other people and like to find it much harder to justify why they need that data. Employees should always seek advice before processing any data regarding vaccination status for the, for, due to the difficulties I've mentioned with regard to whether or not you're really entitled to ask those questions. So it's really important uh, that you always seek advice um, in this regard. Another question um, I, I've seen a, a lot of queries uh, regarding this is in relation to um, prospective employees. You know, if you're in an interview with a, a potential employee, can you ask them if they've had the vaccine Do you're in, in an interview and it's, it's for a particular role and you're thinking, oh, you know, I'd like to ask them. And the simple question is, can you ask them? And uh, my view on this is that it may be justified, but only in certain sectors where there is a serious health and safety risk. Um, for example, the social care sector, which is something I've mentioned throughout this webinar so far. However, generally, medical information is sensitive data and therefore is likely to be deemed inappropriate to ask an interview. Um, as employers, the general position is that employers should, know, should always avoid asking prospective employees health-related questions. So again, I think the general position is that you shouldn't really ask with their vaccination status unless it is in um, really, uh, there is a real serious health and safety risk, for example, in the social care sector. So that's a sort of a whistle-stop tour of um, the sort of the COVID-19 concerns in the workplace with regard to um, sort of vaccination and, and mandating them. So coming now to sort of a bit of a conclusion before we move on to, uh, to questions and answers. 
I think the key things here are that at the moment, it's important for employers to be flexible. As I've mentioned, younger employees in the main are going to be the last to be vaccinated. And also there are many that uh, for various reasons may still want to work from home um, and also may not be able to be vaccinated. So I think at this stage, a flexible working is, 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 is likely to be inevitable, given it's now proven to be, a flex, be effective. But I appreciate some employees may also, you know, be, be looking to sort of uh, look to sort of get staff perhaps to return to the workplace. Not yet, but sort of uh, planning for that um, in the future. So I think at this stage, I think you as employers can start to encourage staff to have the vaccine. By doing this, you engage, you're engaging with them. And if appropriate, you need to obviously engage with their um, representatives encourage them, engage with them, provide them with as much information as possible um, in order for them to, to feel that, that you know, they, they've got enough information in order for them to make a decision with regard to the vaccine, listen to their concerns that they may have and really communicate with them. And, and by doing this at this stage, you know, you're doing it before um, sort of acting, acting proactively and acting in a way where employees feel engaged in that process. And I think if employees feel engaged, that makes them happier and feels like they're playing part in the process. And it's not sort of a one way employer telling the employees what to do. They can feel like it's a two way thing. And if they're informed, it makes it easy for them to make a decision. So there is some guidance as well. They, there is guidance on the government website with regard to lots of information with regard to the COVID-19 vaccination and um, how to encourage staff to have it. So hopefully that, that in today's webinar has been, has been helpful. We will move on to Q&A section now. But as I said, thank you um, for coming today and for listening um, to me. But hopefully we'll, you know, I'll be able to answer some of your questions now. And I'll, I'll just pass over to um, Camille, um, who will um, start sort of looking at the questions and, and I'll do my best to answer them. Uh, Thank you so much, Claire. That's been really, really informative. Um, I think we've had quite a few questions in, um, so we'll be running through some of those. Some will have been answered um, at a later stage in in Claire's presentation, so there's a couple we've we've gotten back to already. But uh, yeah, we've we've got some really interesting questions coming in, um, so thanks for everyone who's who's submitted those. You mentioned, Claire, about um, the care sector playing quite a major role in in terms Mm. of how the vaccinations are working and and sort of like looking after vulnerable clients and people who are shielding um, and there's quite a lot of complexities around that so I've, I've been having a look at some of the questions we've received um, from people working in in the care sector mm. and, and related kind of roles we've had an one in um, that we've had um, from Samantha and uh, Samantha asks we're a frontline employer working in supported housing um, with vulnerable refugees and um, we can have the vaccine as an employer can we make it compulsory so particularly within that that care context for vulnerable people well I think um so I'm there so it's the social care sector and there I mean it's said I think potentially yes but again you don't you'd you'd have to seek specific advice uh, in relation to that but I think the general position is that the general view is that where you're in the social care sector and your your staff are with people with uh, that are considered vulnerable and at risk of, of contracting COVID-19, then there is a stronger argument that you could say that, 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 that staff should be vaccinated. But again, the risk you've got is, 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 is the discrimination risk. And that's across the board, whether you're in the social care sector or in another sector. So th- there's a possibility that, you know, it's more likely that you would require um, staff to be vaccinated. But again, 
you've got to find out the reasons why they don't want to be vaccinated because if it is a protective characteristic then the reasons I've said it earlier on in the webinar they could have a um, you know a, a, a genuine reason why they can't be vaccinated and, and you will have to look at other ways in which they'll be able to work and um, whether that would be a redeployment into another role perhaps or is there a way that they can they can do some home working or um uh, yeah, other ways, but certainly you should always ex seek specific advice in relation to before uh, been looking to mandate it because of the discrimination risks that I, I, I've mentioned. Thank you, Claire. Yeah, and I've actually um, I've got a, a related question to sort of seeking alternatives. Um, Drummond has asked, if a member of staff refuses to be vaccinated, can we therefore ask them to wear full PPE for all their work on the basis that this is the only way in which we can feel confident that they're not a risk? Is that, do they say what sector they're in? I think also care sector. Care sector. I think yeah, that, that's one of the things that has, has been um, uh, potentially that, I, that um, I, I've read upon, that, you know, that, that would be an alternative to um, being, about if they don't wish to be vaccinated, um, it would be, it could be something you could certainly discuss with the employee and they may well be happy to um, be, wear full PPE as long as that complies with your health and safety requirements with regard to, to working with vulnerable people. So you probably need to seek advice on it from a health and safety perspective that that, that, that would be sufficient to comply with your requirements um, with regard to um, the risk of COVID-19. But certainly that's something that you could discuss with your employee that, that you know, if, if that would be their agreement and that that complies with your, your obligations with regard to health and safety. But certainly I think it's engagement with your staff um, is key um, and that, you know, making sure that you're, you're complying with your health and safety obligations with regard to your your vulnerable patients. Um, I've got a, a really interesting question in here um, from Clarice who asks how would you handle situations when an employee doesn't feel comfortable returning to work if not all of their colleagues have been vaccinated so kind of the, the flip side to the issue. Yeah that's something that, um, uh, that I, I, I thought would be uh, you know uh, something that would employees would be concerned about uh, potentially because you're, you're always going to have some uh, sort of pro-vaccine and anti-vaccine in the workplace and that's something and I think again it's it's about communication engagement and perhaps looking at um ways in which you can manage that and actually if you've already got good COVID measures in place in the workplace those can continue and, it, and perhaps you continue with with you know, obviously social distancing um having screens between desks um with masks potentially um but it's 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 all you, all you can do is, is, is try and reassure people that you will have in place the other COVID measures that I've mentioned. And those should remain in place in any event, you know, as they were before the COVID vaccine was starting to be rolled out. And I think it's, again, about employee engagement and trying to reassure their concerns. And if they still don't feel comfortable, um, are you able to, to allow them to continue working from home until everyone has been vaccinated? Um, and as again, I think it's about flexibility, isn't it, with, with employees and understanding that people, there are people that have different views on the vaccine and on, on uh, COVID-19 generally and um, concerns. Diff also, different people have different levels of concern that like some people are quite anxious about getting back into the workplace and the relaxation of, um, of the rules with regard to um, sort of the lockdown and the easing of the lockdown. People feel very differently. And I think it's actually respecting employees different views um, and engaging with staff and, and, and hope and, and hopefully trying to get people 
you know, discussing it with all staff and explaining to staff that some employees may feel more cautious about returning to the workplace than others. And I think if you've got employees that are particularly cautious and concerned, perhaps allow them to continue working from home for that bit longer yeah. um, until they feel more comfortable. And I think it's going to take time for people to start. You know, it's been almost a year since people um, have been able to just sort of walk around you know uh, you know and I, and I think huge shift. Um, yeah. huge shift yeah and I think it's going to take a lot of time particularly for certain people that perhaps have been more anxious throughout the the lockdowns um for feeling you know feeling comfortable in returning so again it's about employee engagement and discussing it and perhaps if they continue working from home or you can increase the the, the, the COVID-19 measures in the workplace to reassure them then that would be key but it's, it's trying to reassure staff that you're doing everything you can and complying with your health and safety obligations in any event even, even without the COVID-19 vaccine, that, you know, you're, you're meeting your obligations. Um, yeah, we've had some really interesting questions in today. Thanks everyone for sending them in. And sorry if we can't answer all of them, but I've been trying to sort of get general topics going. We've had another one in from Roni, who asks, if we take the position to be a pro-vaccine employer, do we open ourselves up to any litigation if someone has an adverse reaction after being vaccinated? Well, I mean, I think all, all you can do as an employer is encourage staff. I think that's as far as you should probably yeah, go that's anyway. Not a mandatory level kind of thing. So it's kind of saying like, we encourage it, but... Yeah, an, an encouragement of the vaccination is, is actually the government are encouraging vaccination and, and, and yeah. the, sort of the links to the government website talk about the encouragement of vaccination, how it's protecting you and protecting others. So... I don't think encouraging vaccination is, is doing anything wrong and you're not, you know, you're not, you know, you're not going to be, uh, I don't think at risk of litigation by encouraging staff, but that's as far as you should go as an employer. And uh, another question we've got in from uh, Debbie, which you did sort of um, cover some stuff around pregnancy, but because this can also be quite a complex area, um, it's a good question coming in. Yeah. Um, and Debbie says, if an employee has refused the vaccine, because they're trying to get pregnant, would they be covered under the pregnancy protected characteristic or not unless they're actually pregnant? Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, very good question. Um, so if they're, if they're planning a pregnancy, they wouldn't be protected by the pregnancy legislation, but they would probably be protected by the sex. The sex. Right, um, so, yeah. so effectively, you've got the protected characteristics, you've got pregnancy and maternity, but you've also got the protected characteristic of sex. Um, so if you have someone that's planning a pregnancy, potentially they could be indirectly discriminated against on grounds of their sex because they're trying to get pregnant, um, even if they're not yet pregnant. So I think there may be some women that will be equally cautious about getting the vaccine if they're planning a pregnancy, as if they were already pregnant. So I think there is an equal risk in relation to women who are planning a pregnancy as if they're already pregnant. So I think that would, uh, that's my view that they would, it would apply equally to, to women who are planning a pregnancy. And um, Anonymous asks, fear of needles can't possibly be a disability, can it? Potentially, yes, if they've got a genuine real fear. Yeah, yeah, phobias are medically diagnosed. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it could be uh, obviously seek advice, um, but certainly um, in relation to the specifics of, of them. But certainly, yes, it could it could be it could potentially be a disability. And uh, we've got another another interesting one that came in is uh, particularly around the care sector. But this this could apply to to other areas as well. Dean asks, we're a social care agency with clinically vulnerable clients. If a personal assistant refuses the vaccine, but the client refuses to have personal assistants who are not vaccinated in their home, where do we stand as an employer? Oh, that's yeah, a like, tricky just one. Quite, a, quite a standoff situation, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's a real tricky one. I mean, I think my, my initial reaction is that it would be just, I mean, is there a way that you've got other personal assistants that um, could, could work in place of that particular assistant um, and perhaps 
rejig them so that one's and I understand their concern uh, and, and I do I, I, I understand why um, some vulnerable people may, may feel like that but I think all you can do is is perhaps see if you're able to, to rejig it so that they work with different vulnerable your different vulnerable patients beyond that I'm not really sure how you could do it I mean I think it's it's trying to reassure well obviously it's discussing with the particular employee as well and, and trying to find out their concerns as to why they're, they're, they're not comfortable having the vaccine um, yeah. and again providing them with information as to why but I mean if it's a case that they simply can't uh, for, for, for reasons then I think it's looking at also I mean I don't know the reasons why that particular person can't have the vaccine if it's a protective characteristic then obviously you, you know you, you there's not you know you've got to be really careful um, but I think ultimately it would be discussing it with both the employee and the, the vulnerable person and seeing if they can be rejigged around in the workplace. But if that's not possible, then I think it's, there's, you know, you've just got to, to, to work around it and, and, and find other ways of working. And, but it's a difficult one. And, and I don't think I have a, a definitive answer on that, I'm afraid, because I think it's going to be a case of, of seeing how things map out and seeing if, if more and more people do start to feel that they want to be vaccinated and seeing if things change. But I think at this stage, um, it's going to be, and again, if it's a younger employee that's not yet been able to have the vaccine, then you can't discriminate against that particular person because they've not yet been able to have the vaccine because yes, that could yeah. be potentially age discrimination. So it's being really cautious and finding other ways of working. But I think it's, it's making sure that they've got full PPE and all your other COVID measures are still in place um, and reassuring that particular vulnerable person that they have that in place and seeing if that makes reassures them. But it's obviously really important that you still comply with your health and safety obligations um, and, and seek specific advice on that, I would, going forward. And, and I think finding out the reasons why that particular person can't get vaccinated now and communicating with them. Yeah, that's, that's a really comprehensive answer. But yeah, like some of these things are a little up in the air at the moment. Yeah, they are. In, and I think it would be it would be getting specific advice once you've got the full information as to why that particular employee can't can't have the vaccine yet. Doing I think that investigation. Yeah, communicating with them, finding out the reasons why, if you're able to encourage them to have the vaccine, if they're able to, and it's not because of medical reasons, pregnancy or religious reasons, you know, encourage them. Um, and they, they've not, it, obviously, if they, they're young, they might not have had the opportunity to have the vaccine, um, but it's encouraging them and also finding out the reasons, the concerns of, of, of other employees, a particular vulnerable person, but it might be a case of you would have to redeploy that member of staff potentially. But again, find out the reasons why, communicate with the staff, staff member um, and see if there are other ways of working, if they said if they can be redeployed or uh, if they can do a working from home role, potentially, because I appreciate that if a lot of their work is, 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 is direct frontline work. Is there a way that they could do some, some a different a different role for the time being working from home? But certainly it's going to be about engaging with staff and uh, seeking specific advice once you've got more information from that staff member. Tanya asks, have you seen any employers asking staff through a staff survey if they plan to have the vaccine to gauge the uptake? Is that kind of something that you'd recommend or something that you think? Probably not, no. I would say directly asking them that in that way is probably... Um, I, no, I think because you shouldn't, it's all to do with data protection um, and, and sort of um, people feeling that they're, I think it's, I think it's about discussing with staff and, and having meetings with them and encouraging staff. And if, if, if employees feel that they want to tell you, then, then fine. But I think asking them out right an employee survey is probably um, not appropriate, I think, at this stage. That's my view, but that's my initial thoughts. Yeah, it, it might be a little different if it's an anonymous survey and you've got quite a big organisation. But yeah, there just is that that risk there. Yeah, um, I think an anonymous survey potentially. 
but I'm not certain to be honest with it. I, I would be reluctant, but I think I guess if it's an anonymous survey, no one would know. But I, I would be reluctant to do it in that way. But yeah, um, it's more just I, putting your word out there to. Yeah, I think it's more about putting your word out there, encouraging staff, uh, and then when you're in meeting with staff, um, you can have that direct engagement with them, whether that's on a, on on um, on you know Zoom calls or whether it's actually in the workplace, you know, whether you're yeah. physically in the workplace. But I think it's about um, engaging with staff and communicating with them, um, but asking the direct question out towards staff in a, in a survey may not necessarily be. Um, but again, I think it's it's a question of. I would seek specific advice on that and um, depending on your uh, your sector okay one uh, question we've had um can you force non-vaccinated employees to work from home uh, forcing them no that would be something that you try and seek their agreement i would say because obviously you've got the risks of, of, of employees feeling that if they're if they haven't been vaccinated vaccinated because they're younger if you force them to work from home are they going to feel discriminated against because they're they've not yet been able to have it and therefore is that a potential indirect age discrimination forcing is is difficult I think it's about engaging with staff and finding out the reasons why they haven't yet had the vaccine um if it's because they're simply younger they, they may feel fine anyway working from home that that might be something they've been doing all all, all, all the up until now they may feel that, that, that that's okay because they, they're waiting on the vaccine and as soon as they've had it, they'll be, they'll be really happy to return to the workplace. But you can't force them. Um, you've got to seek their, their, their agreement because you don't want them to feel that they're being treated differently just because they've not been able to have the vaccine yet because that, that wouldn't be very nice if they're, that they're feeling like they're being um, sort of singled out uh, just because they're younger, for example, uh, or for other reasons why. But it's about employee engagement and explaining the reasons why you're concerned about them not having the vaccine, but perhaps they, but if they, if you're sort of saying, well, then they can never come back to the workplace. It's about seeking their agreement to that. And as long as they're happy, then that's fine. But sort of forcing them and saying, right, you've got to work from home. That's it. It might be, it might be deemed to be discriminatory because obviously they're being treated differently because if they can't have the vaccine for a medical reason or uh, an age reason, they're pregnant. Working from home is, is a great alternative, but it's seeking their agreement to that. Uh, is, I would say it's key. It, it, key uh, things are encouragement of the vaccination, but where you've got people in the workplace that haven't yet been able to be vaccinated, then it's explaining why the reasons why vaccination is so important because it protects themselves and it protects your colleagues. If you've not yet been able to have it or can't have it for reasons, you can explain your concerns and that you think that the, the best way forward would be either them to um, redeploy to another role where it's not frontline or, or another role that can work from home or that if they're already in a, a working from home role, they can continue working from home. But it's about seeking their agreement to that. And I think in most cases, you'll probably find that employees in that situation would be happy to. Um, but it's ensuring that they are happy and that you're not singling someone out just because they've not been able to have the vaccine. But obviously, it's, it's balancing that with your health and safety obligations in the workplace. But it's about engaging the staff and understanding their reasons why, but being alive always to the risk of discrimination by treating people differently. Um, so if you've got someone in that situation, I would always say, right, get the facts, communicate with staff, understand the reasons why they're, they're, they're reluctant to have the vaccine or, or concerned, and then seek direct advice from your HR um, provider or uh, for employment lawyer. Fab. Thank you, Claire. There's just a couple more um, sort of question themes that have been coming in from, from multiple people's questions. So I thought we'd just cover these off um, um, before we wrap up the webinar today. I've had a few people asking about uh, vaccination policies. And I'm um, having like specific policies in place. Um, yeah. so we've had an interesting question um, coming in about 
vaccination policy not actually being very popular in organizations because it is kind of that again that minefield of like how do you make it encouraging without making it seem like well, I, to have one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, a policy, a vaccination policy isn't a policy that says you have to be vaccinated. A policy would be, um, it would sort of set up the things about encouraging staff to be vaccinated um, and setting out kind of what, uh, what line, managers, line managers' responsibilities would be, which would be providing the benefits, uh, setting out what would happen if employees have concerns and, and sort of um, what that process would be with regard to holding meetings with staff, holding meetings with individual people, um, just setting out that, you know, this particular com- company encourages staff to be vaccinated and uh, we will provide staff with information regarding that. Um, if any employer has any concerns, this is what we'll do. So the policy isn't there to say that vaccination is mandatory. That, that's not what I, I, I mean by a policy. It's more about the, the vaccination policy would set out that, as I said, that the employer, this particular employer encourages vaccinations and the reasons why. And you can set out the benefits of that in the policy. And what will you do if people have concerns? And it would be about employee engagement and encouraging the vaccine but also communicating with staff and listening to their concerns. So the policy isn't there to say that it, it's mandatory. And just the other um, kind of theme that's been coming up that I thought would be good to cover. I had a couple of questions in, uh, one from Noel and also one in um, from someone anonymous. Um, and it's kind of relating all the stuff around the COVID-19 vaccines to other vaccinations, such as flu jabs. Um, and of course, with the coronavirus pandemic, things have been a bit more more urgent um, and it's had more of an effect but um, in in terms of informing sort of approaches towards other cases of vaccination um, and sort of flu jabs etc and, and how that kind of works moving forward do you think this has any um, sort of legal implications for for other um, types of vaccines as well just um, like it- someone's asked for example um, mm-hmm. there haven't been concerns about whether or not someone has had various jabs in the past um, appreciating COVID as a pandemic. Um, so are COVID vaccination issues any different to other jabs moving forward? We had one in from Noel as well. He's basically said, why have this discussion now when it's not been thought of in the past for annual flu vaccinations? I guess with COVID, it's oh. just more contentious, right? Um, yeah, I, yeah I, I guess the side effects of COVID-19, if someone were to have flu, this is my view, someone were to have flu, it's unlikely that you're going to have like long, like obviously you've got the risk of long COVID. You've got yeah. the risk of, I presume it's got a higher risk of, of, of people, unfortunately, uh, dying as a result of COVID. When, it, when you know, flu vaccine is not, um, you know, it's not, um, flu vaccine is only a sort of, um, a require, not requirement, but people over the age of, uh, I think it's 60 or 65 or something, are, are encouraged to have the vaccine. And young children up to the age of five, I think, are, are meant to have, you know, are encouraged to have the vaccine. Because uh, for the general public, flu is, is, you feel ill for a week, perhaps, um, but you're not at risk of, of hospitalization and and the long t- so much long term side effects. But I think with the COVID-19, because it's a global pandemic, flu isn't a pandemic. I think that's probably why the difference is. And, and, and obviously the, the government is doing everything they can to, to vaccinate everyone to reduce the impact on the NHS and and obviously the the, the awful death toll that we've had um, as a result of COVID-19. But you haven't had that with flu because we're a, our bodies are able to um deal with the flu if you were to get it um, and I think that's probably why it's being treated differently to, to vaccination and why you know you've got that encouragement of COVID-19 vaccination moreover than flu because the side effects are, are, are you know of, of contracting flu you may be poorly for a week to two weeks but 
COVID-19 can have that, and particularly for vulnerable people uh, and the risk, unfortunately, of being very, very poorly or, or, um, yeah. or you know, it, it being it being deathly, unfortunately. I think um, just um, for, again, from my personal viewpoint, um, I've had flu jabs quite a lot in the past because I'm asthmatic. Um, so it's just a good thing for me to avoid having flu if I can. Yeah, um, of course. And, yeah. Um, you know, uh, my current workplace at, at Toolkit, for example, um, they cover flu jabs. And, you know, again, it's not saying you have to have a flu jab, but, you know, if you want to get a flu jab, same as if you, you know, we encourage you to go get an eye test and, and different Yay. health things and like we yeah. cover that and um obviously different with the the COVID-19 jabs um but um yeah it's just about having that culture really as well and I do wonder if with the pandemic we'll all be a little more informed in terms of hygiene in general and and sort of like health protection as well absolutely yeah that's that's got some interesting implications yeah but you're right about the flu jab I mean you know a lot of employers do offer it privately and 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 that's a good thing you know obviously at the moment the COVID-19 vaccine isn't something that can be offered privately it's only through the NHS going forward in years to come it's possible that that's something that, that may be something that would be offered privately but certainly yeah. as it currently stands the government has made it clear that it absolutely is um only going to be offered through the through the NHS but certainly I, I think that you know as you said the flu vaccine is something that is offered by many employees and that's brilliant but I think obviously COVID-19 at the moment is being treated as um it's, it's, a, it's a pandemic and therefore um the government is really encouraging people to have it um, yeah. And that's why it's being treated differently, I think. Hi, would you be up for one more question, Theme? Okay, because I've just yeah. had a, a few questions come in. Um, uh, and we, we do still have quite a lot. So I'm really sorry if we've not been able to, to answer everyone's questions today. Another theme that's kind of come up um, is about travel, which yeah. kind of introduces a whole new area. <laughs> sorry, Claire, I'm really grilling you today. <laughs> no, 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 no. Travel, yeah, it's a I think travel's a really complicated one. Yeah, um, yeah. we've had um, a few questions in, so I'll just kind of deal with a, a, bit, a bit of a, a summary as, as well as I may. Uh, Tori has asked, uh, what are your thoughts on vaccine passport to be of staff that travel? Uh, we've had another question in about mandatory vaccination for employees who travel due to business. And then also Liz has asked if, if they um, have staff that travel for business and they decline the vaccine and then they do get sick with covid um are they protected as a as a business from sort of litigation from that yeah, yeah there's quite a lot of, of questions around around that and so then another layer of complexity yeah Don't we love yeah. it <laughs> yeah travel is 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 very i have to say it's very new and something that i i'm not hugely i think i probably need to spend a bit more time on this on travel because it's something that's quite technical and um I think it could be another ever- webinar in itself actually. yeah i think so ever-changing um, because of the nature of the fact that we're sort of starting to come out, hopefully easing of lockdowns and, and travel, but also different countries are, are doing things differently um, and certain countries we're not allowed to travel to and aren't allowed to travel yeah. to. So it's, I think it's all very technical at the moment. Um, I think I think generally the answer is it depends on um, the reasons why they can't have the vaccine and, again, the risk around discrimination. It, that's the same reason, really. Uh, but, I mean, obviously there are certain countries that you really need an employer to go to, employee to go to, um, it required to be vaccinated that that would be a strong reason but I think probably we would need to look at the specifics of the reasons why they can't have the vaccine as well travel something which is a whole it wasn't really something that I was going to cover specifically today just because I think it is almost a, a separate a, you know yeah, a separate it's, it's topic. a big topic in itself yeah so, yeah hey, because if, of if the you changes. want us to do a follow-up webinar yeah. let's do. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, but I'll have a look at those particular questions if that's okay, and and I'll provide a little bit of information on that. But it's something that is 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 a bit of a minefield as well at the moment because of the ever changing thoughts on vaccine passports and different countries as well. So, um, yeah, and the potential I'll, for um, discrimination around the passports and everything. Well. Same, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. and that's something that that has been mentioned actually with regards to the vaccine passports. So again. Um, I think that's something to be really mindful of the discrimination risk. Fab. Um, I think that's all the questions we have time for. We, we have still got a few, so I really apologise and that we've not answered everything in the session. But I mean, I was expecting it to be quite lively in the Q&A. So uh, hopefully we answered as many as, as we could. Um, and if anybody who wants to send any follow up questions, do let us know. But yes, as for today, thank you so much, Claire. That's been really oh, informative. No, my, my pleasure. Really great discussion as well. Um, yeah, thanks and, for all your engagement as well. It, it's great. And, you know, answering the polls mm. and things, it really, it really helps me to kind of understand, uh, uh, you know, your, your views and, and obviously the questions. I'm really grateful. Yeah, for being engaged in the process. And, and thanks for listening. Thank you very thanks much, again. everybody. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Cheers. Take bye. care. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for tuning in to this My HR Toolkit podcast. For further information and access to more of our business webinars and resources for SMEs, head over to myhrtoolkit.com or find us on LinkedIn and Twitter.